0: Co working, collaboration, and monthly masterclasses for you to grow your knowledge. Go to the daisychaingroup.com for more information. These are the platforms to hear and share the stories of the tenacious, the rebellious, and the resilient women that are working towards the future that they build for themselves and their families. Hello and welcome to the Shine a New Crazy Daisy podcast. I am your host, Trudy Simmons. And today I am thrilled and excited to introduce you to Elise Burns Hill from SGW Accountancy. Elise, thank you so much for being involved in the book and the podcast. Please tell us about your business.
1: Morning. Thanks very much to you as well. Um, about me, I run an accountancy firm. Uh, it's based in Hampshire, um, but we work with people all over the UK, um, primarily. Uh, working with service-based business, but we
0: also have hospitality, we have construction, all sorts of businesses really. Exciting. I love people in accountancy, you just never know what you're going to get and this is the brilliant thing is you start off your chapter with the fact that you went to university to do zoology. How did you go from zoology to accountancy?
1: (laughs) Well the long story starts when I was about five. Um, (laughs) I always wanted to be a vet Um, and I think that was from the age of four or five. I wanted to work with animals, wanted to be a vet. And then I got to my GCSEs. I was always reasonably good at school, but I didn't try too hard. So I sort of floated by, but to get into veterinary school, you have to have straight A's, straight A's at GCSE, straight A's at A level, all the extracurricular stuff as well. Mm. And I did my GCSEs and didn't get straight A's. Didn't do too badly, but it wasn't straight A's. So at that point I kind of I felt like I fell off a cliff I was like well that's my veterinary dream gone mm. um what do I do um and I really didn't didn't have any idea and then my mum suggested I do zoology because it's still kind of animal focused if I did well there then maybe there'd be opportunity to go into veterinary school after that after I proved myself at, at, at university um but I went to university didn't really like it. Um, I don't think university was actually the right answer for me. Um, I did it because it was expected of me. Mm. So I, I just went with it. Um, so it did probably take me another four, five years, I think after that, before I finally decided on accountancy. Um, after that, I I sort of floated a bit. Um, I finished university. I worked for my parents' company for a bit. I worked in an Apple shop for a bit, doing a little bit of sales, uh, which, surprisingly, I turned out to be quite good at. I'd always thought up to that point, I would be rubbish in sales, mm. but because I was quite passionate about the Apple computers and the Apple devices, it was really easy to sell, um, which it was a huge realization for me. Um, and then I decided that I was going to join the Royal Navy, um, which was quite a change to anything I'd done before, but I'd done cadets when I was at school. Um, and I, I thought that might be a direction that I want to go. Um, I've always wanted to fly a helicopter, so I thought, right, helicopter pilot in the Navy, right, let's go for it. Um, and I did all the aptitude testing, and I turned out to score quite highly for the observer role, not so well for the for the helicopter pilot. Mm. So they advised me to go down the, the observer route, which, and the observer route, um, or as an observer, you do the weapon systems and the nav- navigation. Navigation, fine, I'm always happy with navigation. But being the one that presses the button that potentially kills women and children, I couldn't I couldn't reconcile that. I could deal with the rest of the idea of being in the military, but being the one that presses the button, I couldn't I couldn't do that. So I thought, well, maybe this is not the answer for me. So I was living in Malta at the time um, and I was just sat on the balcony and I thought, well, OK, what do I want to do? Um, And it came to me that I should do accountancy. Um, my dad had always said that I should do accountancy, so he obviously saw it way before I did. Yeah. But who wants to be a boring accountant sat behind a desk? <laughs> why would I want to do that? The, the Navy option sounded far more interesting. Um. But I think I had the realisation at that point that maybe I could do some good. Maybe it didn't have to be boring. Um, so and, that's why I started down
0: that route. And what you said in the book was that you followed your intuition in in hearing the fact that accountancy was the next thing to do. And you've made some very big decisions on your intuition that how do you balance your practical business brain with intuition and does intuition always win
1: it does when i'm listening for it Mm -hmm. um when it comes to balancing balancing the two i suppose i i see uh intuition as being when you come out of your head Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you say about listening to your heart or mm-hmm. when you've got a gut instinct about something, that is all your intuition. So you've come out of your head and you're listening to your body, your feelings about things. It's it's listening to sort of life's energies on a different level. Um, and when you've got a big decision to make, actually, that is the place that you want to be. Um, you can sit there and write all your lists about which, which option you should go for um, and, and use your brain for that. But ultimately, you're going to go generally, you're going to go with the one that makes you feel good. Um, so I I have always listened to my intuition when I when I'm quiet enough to hear it. And I think that day when I was sat on the balcony drinking my tea, I wasn't trying to think of it. I wasn't trying to figure it out. Yeah. I was just sitting there enjoying the view. We we lived in a little apartment over the marina, so I was watching all the, the boats bob around and yeah and it was just nice, and I was just being, mm-hmm. and then it came to me, and I was just like, ah, oh.
0: it was like a realisation, it was like yeah. a moment of connection. But it fe- you can feel it, can't you? Yes, it- it hits. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, that- that's what I was supposed to be hearing. Yeah. A- and the thing is, I think what, what you described well in the in the chapter is when you don't listen to your intuition, what happens? Everything goes to pot. Oh, really? <laughs> and- <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, I have... Since taking over SGW a couple of years ago, um, Mm. I started out very, very strongly. I had my vision, I knew what I was aiming for and I was just going for it all out. Mm. But the last, probably the last year, I have been struggling more. And I made the realization within the last couple of months that I'd stopped listening to my intuition. I'd stopped looking after my body. I'd stopped looking after my mind. I'd stopped all of that. It was all about just plugging away, getting through the next day and the next day and the next day. Yeah. And there's been this complete disconnect. And literally over the last few months, and I've been really working on myself. My, my mantra has been self-care. It's mm. all been about looking after myself and listening to myself again. And finally, things are starting to get back on the right track. Yeah. Um, I'm not feeling quite so stressed. I'm not feeling like or questioning whether I'm doing the right thing. Because that's the other thing. When I first took over SDW, I was just like, this is the exact thing that I'm supposed to be doing. I felt it. There was a real good connection there. But over the last few years, or the last year, I've just been, every so often it would pop up and go, am I doing the right thing? I I really don't know anymore. And it's just like the massive disconnect with everything. I was going through the motions, getting through each day.
0: And it's the questions that you ask yourself around that. Because as soon as we start asking ourselves, am I doing the right thing? it's the next question that can make or break it can push you to burn out and burn and break down or things need to change and this is what's going to change and yeah. if we don't start asking those questions it's when we feel that utter internal frustration and and stuckedness as i call it when uh, when you just don't know you think you don't know what to do when actually you're not listening yeah yeah definitely i love these conversations um <laughs> What has given you your drive for success to this point? I can't think back what
1: it was before I had children. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I always just wanted to do well. There was sort of an innate motivation to just do well, um, possibly to make my parents happy, to make my family, family happy that I was doing well. It wasn't necessarily for myself. It was for outward perception, I think. Um, But I suppose when that motivation turned inwards was when I became a mum. I had my two children, my two daughters, and everything has become about making sure that I can create the best future for them, that we are able to go away on holidays and that they can explore the world and learn new things and have new experiences. Um, And I think the other driving factor is my other half. He's a little bit older than me, um, so he became a dad later in life. Um, And so at some point he's going to want to retire, but he also wants to be there for the girls Mm -hmm. now. Um, So if I am able to be successful for myself and for my family, then it takes the pressure off him having to work. He can just do the work that he wants to do. And he loves his work. He's one of the few people that I've come across that just go, I I, I wouldn't even do it for money. I would just, I I just want to do it. I just love it. Um, And I just don't want to deal with the money side of things. Um, so if I can make that happen for him, obviously yeah. he'd still run a business, but it would take the pressure out. If he wanted to see somebody for free, um, then he could do because he doesn't need to worry about bringing money into family. So that's that's probably what my main driving factor is now: look after my family, make give them the best life they can.
0: Yay! No, that's a that's a good thing to want to do. I think. Yeah. Um, if there was one lesson you've learnt that you want every entrepreneur to know, what would it be? self care. <laughs> look Why? after yourselves <laughs>
1: um, I think I have learned that learned that well relearned that in spades over last year um that you really have got to look after yourself and take the time out for yourself because if you don't you do end up just falling
0: down that hole um and then it becomes really difficult to get back out again um I so, don't yeah. I don't think we can ever hear that too much Because whatever, because we are driven and ambitious and always wanting to go for the next thing and to grow our businesses and to find the audience and to have more clients and and to create the income because we want to look after our families, all these wonderful things. If we're not looking after ourselves, and I'm saying this to me as well, (laughs) if we're not looking after ourselves, we don't have a business. And it is so important to hear it again and again. And every time I hear it, I think, oh, no, I need to hear that. You think, how many times?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, What I want to do, I haven't managed it yet, but I want to get it stuck up on my wall so that I do constantly think about it. Um, I am making a lot of time for myself at the moment. I signed up for a Mind Valley membership a few months ago, weeks ago. It must be months ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am making sure I get up at six in the morning go downstairs make myself a cup of tea and I sit in the lounge and watch my videos and and do the exercises and work through it and it's just making that time for myself until roughly seven o'clock when everyone else gets up yeah Um, I've got that time for myself the house is quiet and I can just do what I need to do to be constantly progressing myself because ultimately growth personal growth is is a form of self-care as well so absolutely what's your favorite piece of business software Favourite piece of business software is called Notion. Um, I know you expected me to say an accountancy product, but no, (laughs) Notion is the one because it is basically like a second brain. You can create databases in there, you can put pages up, you can link pages together, Um, and it's basically an opportunity for you to download. As business owners, we've constantly got so many things going on in our heads. We've got the finances of our business, the marketing of our business, the actual delivery of our business. Everything is constantly going on up there. And if you're parents as well, and you've got family to think about, that's also in in there. Um, So an opportunity to download that into my second brain um, has probably been one of the most invaluable things I've found since, since being in business
0: um because i can access that from anywhere as well because it's all cloud-based so Notion. notion go and google it um elise thank you so much for being so raw and real in talking about your your journey to this point literally um and thank you for being involved in the book and the podcast thank you for inviting me thank you for listening if you like what you've heard please leave a review and come back for more inspiration if you're a businesswoman looking for that community that will support you and lift you up, come and join the Shine On You Crazy Daisy membership, offering online networking, co-working, collaboration, and monthly masterclasses to grow your knowledge. Go to the thedaisychaingroup.com for more information. And for even more inspiration, please go to the link under this video and get your copy of the Shine On You Crazy Daisy series of books with inspirational and motivating stories from business women around the world.